Beth and I'm a psychological wellbeing practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate and it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot so the biggest thank you ever. If you're looking to become a psychologist Then let this be your guide With this podcast at your side You'll be on your way to being qualified It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast With Dr. Marianne Trent Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. I am Dr. Marianne Trent, clinical psychologist, and it's lovely to have you here listening. Thank you so much to everybody who's been so welcoming and enthusiastic and encouraging um, about the new book that was published last week, The Aspiring Psychologist Collective. It's really lovely to see so many of you excited to get your hands on it and to read it. Um, So I do hope that you're finding that useful if you've got your copy already. If you haven't, um, there is always time always time but why not dive in and do that now um, you can grab that on amazon and it's available in paperback ebook or hardback um, the hardback is in full color which is why the price is a little bit steeper than might be ideal um, i thought it would be nice to put together a hardback color option um, because they don't let you do um, a paperback black and white and a paperback um, color Um, but I didn't quite realize how expensive it would be um, to make it color so um, it is a thing of beauty Um, you can also get color in the ebook but the hardback is in glorious technicolor it is a thing of beauty so um, if your department has some spare cash or um, you know got someone who wants to spend a little bit of money on you for Christmas then the hardback is lovely Um, but um, the content is all the same apart from the color so take your pick (laughs) see what works best for you paperback ebook or hardback Um, if you would like to um, enter into a competition to win a one-to-one psychology coaching session with me you absolutely can do by um, buying a copy of either the Clinical Psychologist Collective book between the 1st of September 2022 and Halloween the 31st of October 2022 and then sending me um, a unique proof of purchase to book at goodthinkingpsychology.co.uk and the details for that email address in case you missed it are in the show notes but it's book at goodthinkingpsychology.co.uk and you can also score some bonus point entries as well if you did buy it on Amazon then you can uh, leave me a verified purchase review and then send me um, proof of that um, once it's done. Um, And you don't, you could have bought um, the ClinPsych or the Aspiring Psychologist Collective book at any time. um, But by doing the review for me within this period um, means that you can um, enter the contest if you let me know between that bracket of the 1st of September and the 31st of October. And you can also score some bonus entries by leaving me audio testimonials um, about 
um, either the Clinical Psychologist Collective book or the Aspiring Psychologist Collective book. Or if you bought them both, you could do both. That would be marvellous. And you could get two bonus entries. It is super simple to leave me audio testimonials. If you go to my website, www.goodthinkingpsychology.co.uk forward slash podcast, um, you just click on a link which opens a wonderful site called Bonjoro. And it literally is just point and click. You know, you just pop your name in, um, pop your webcam on and go for it. Um, but you can cover your webcam if you don't want it to be a video testimonial. If you're just happy for it to be audio, then do that. But you need to do that and you need to get it done before the 31st of October, because that is when the contest ends. Uh, and you could use this session if you win, which will take place on the 1st, 2nd or 3rd of November um, to think about your um, doctorate in clinical psychology application form or another professional psychology application form. Or if you're qualified or not yet ready to apply, we could use that for thinking about just coaching and um, ways to help you be your optimal best self. So dive in um, and yeah, take advantage and enter the competition. Um, right. So as you may have noticed, I do have lots of plates spinning. So um, for those of you who followed me um, on the podcast for a while, you might well know um, that I am a mummy. I'm a mummy to two young children. I'm also a clinician still. So I do still see people um, for one-to-one -one trauma um, therapy usually, but also do anxiety, um, depression, um, and uh, grief too. Um, so I do that, um, but I also support aspiring psychologists, you lovely folk. Um, and I also... Um, create books, don't I? Um, and so, you know, people are like, Marianne, how do you get enough time in the day? How do you organise yourself to get everything done, to get everything sorted? And so I thought that would be a really useful conversation for us to have together today about ways we can organise ourselves or help support ourselves optimally to be our best energetic, energised, productive selves. So um, I've no idea how long today's podcast episode is going to be. I've got a vague idea of um, the top tips that I'm going to go through, written myself a list, um, which I've left just out of my reach. Um, so I'm going to grab my list, hold the line caller. Seamless. I'm back and I've got the list. Um, so um, one of my main strategies for organising myself, for kind of making sense of what might feel like organised chaos if it wasn't for this one super duper top tip, um, is that I used to work in a service um, which employed the choice and partnership approach. Um, also abbreviated often as CAPA. And I know that still runs in certain children and young people services, which is which was the type of service that I was working in. And in that service, it worked wonderfully for us because we were all quite compliant with the different ways of working. But in case you haven't heard of a CAPA service, let me briefly go through um, the basic tenets for that. Um, so uh, depending on how many hours a week you work, um, it is closely calculated for how many 
clinical face-to-face -face hours um, it is expected of you to be able to do to be you know working at your full capacity um, and you pick up new clients um, at a set ratio depending on your hours so um, when I first started with the team I was um, full-time and that meant that I would for three weeks out of four, I would pick up a new client and it's always in the same slot. So for me, it was a Thursday at 2 p.m. So for three out of the four, and if it was five Thursdays in a month, it was three out of five. For three out of those um, four or five um, Thursdays, I would pick up a new client. And that's not a client that I'm choosing to see. That was a client that following assessment, following the choice um, appointment, which is an assessment, if they were deemed to need the service, then they were dropped in with the next available choice clinician. So that might have been me, but it could have been someone else in the team as well. So I always knew that I had to be having throughputs, had to be not a long-term service, but people were always having a goals-based service. But what was really useful about this service was that all of the clinicians had job plans that were unique and bespoke to them. And those job plans helped us to make sure we were using the available rooms optimally as well. So um, as I reflect back on that now, there were certain times in certain clinics, so certainly Thursday afternoons, I had set rooms. Um, I always quite like the same room as well. So they'd be kind to me and give me the same room creature of habit where possible. Um, and, you know, there were set clinics. So I would always do choice um, assessments on a Wednesday morning. So I would do in my job plan, two choice appointments. So one was at 9.30 and one was at 11. And then I would use the afternoon um, of that time um, usually to write those reports. So they were all done and dusted within the same day. Um, but that was all blocked in. Um, admin time for the choice appointments was in my job plan. So it wasn't like I was trying to magically create time for admin it was there, okay? And similarly, um, a Friday afternoon, um, for me, seeing clients on a Friday afternoon where you might suddenly get a safeguarding issue at 4 p.m. and I finished at 4.30 because of my commute, that was not for me. So I made sure in my job plan that um, I had a clinic um, with rooms booked um, on a Friday morning, um, but on a Friday afternoon, that was administration for um issues related to my clients, if I was writing letters um, or if there was any um, additional referrals that I needed to um, use to write um, for the choice appointments for the assessments. So um, I know it can be common that in services where we're doing assessments that we just haven't you know, been able to factor in the time to write um, reports but if that's the case, you know, I think we're potentially setting ourselves up to fail and to be feeling quite overwhelmed and distressed and to feel like we're not managing, we're not coping, there's too much on our plate. So if you're regularly doing assessments um, or perhaps supporting qualified members of staff with assessments and then helping out with um, the assessment report writing, there needs to be time in your diary where you're going to do that. Otherwise, you're going to be constantly squeezing um, 
you know, it might be squeezing your lunchtime, it might be squeezing your um, start times or your finish times to get more hours in the day. Um, so really have a look at what jobs you're doing every week. And similarly, supervision um, should ideally be in your job plan and should be a consistent, repeatable um, endeavor. Okay, so mine certainly is. Um, and similarly, if you're doing any um, meetings that you have to go to, um, then that should be in your job plan. And does that happen? You know, if the meeting is not that uh, not that productive, not that energetic, do you need to be there every time? Or could you job plan it that across the team, you share the load? So you might go every other week or one in four um, or three in four and then you know the fourth one you use as time to to do that admin you know you're not asking for the moon on a stick um, as they say you're just asking for enough time to be able to do your job well safely robustly to be able to do what you need to do. So if you're learning a particular skill or approach and you need to do reading or you're doing research, could you look at trying to include that within your job plan? So certainly when I was an aspiring psychologist um, and I would attend assistant psychologist meetings and I would also attend research meetings, um, then they would have been job planned if I was using job plans at that time because those job plans, you know, ideally are being agreed by your supervisor and or manager. They're saying, yes, those those are important issues for us. So we do see that that's really important. Um, and it, you know, I still use a job plan now. So I still have Monday. So I have Mondays and Fridays where I do uh, largely admin. I do things like today's a Friday. I'm doing a podcast um, and uh, I do the editing around that. And I might write for the media uh, and I might create content on Mondays and Fridays for my aspiring psychologist membership um, and, you know, try to do my non-client stuff on those days was Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursday mornings I do see clients um, so I run clinics I run three clinics um, 9 15 10 15 and 11 15 and that's that's predictable and repeatable and I always have time to do my notes in between those sessions um, unless they're overly complicated but then I make time to do that before I stop for lunch so I don't want any leftover projects you know I want to be able to stop for lunch and I've always stopped for lunch in whatever service I've worked in um, I believe I've been told that I have a very good impact on um, team lunching um, and sociability because I always stop so people are like oh Marianne's there I'll sit down with her you know and we'll eat our salads together um Oh, in my most recent NHS service, I was known for <laughs> Chippy Tuesday. Um, so every now and then I'd be like, come on, let's, you know, there's a great chippy nearby. And on a Tuesday, they do a great pie, um, chips and sauce deal. So I would go for chicken and mushroom pie, the most amazing chips and curry sauce. And it would be like 350. And so I'd like try and get people in advance to sign up for sitting down and having Chippy Tuesday with me. And it was just really, really good. And so, you know, my lunchtime, usually 1230 till one when I was in NHS services, 
was happening every day. I was bringing my lunch with me. You know, I was accountable. I was making that usually the evening before um, so that it would nourish me for the day. So I'm a salad eater generally. I don't, I don't eat chippy Tuesdays every Tuesday, um, but they were delicious. And I was, if I still worked there, I would still be instigating chippy Tuesday because the chips are incredible. You know, you're just a really good chippy. And if you're not listening to this in the UK and you're like, what is she saying? What is she saying? A, chi a chippy? What's a chippy? <laughs> um, a chippy tea. Um, so that's when I was um, in South Wales. Uh, my friends from um, Lancashire uh, introduced me to the term chippy tea. Chippy. It's a fish and chip shop, um, in case you're not familiar with chippy tea. Um, did you ever think that you'd hear me talk about chippy teas and chippies so much? I didn't. I didn't know that was going to be my plan for today. Um, but yeah, it's important to stop. It's important to look after yourself and to give yourself that appropriate self-care. So you need to make sure you're job planning your lunch break, job planning your start and finish times, um, because that helps make sure that you're not overloaded. You know, if there's a massive waiting list, then you can absolutely be moved by that distress and think about what clever ways you can work in as you and as part of the team to reduce that workload. But, you know, seeing a massive amount of face-to-face -face clients, and I'm, I absolutely appreciate that for many of you listening, certainly if you're, you're listening to this working in IAPT services, you might well not have this flexibility. So I know certain um, people in certain services are seeing, you know, 70, 80, 90% face-to-face time, but that is that is going to be very difficult to achieve long term. That's going to lead to burnout. And you might just need to look at where you can factor in some self-care around that. And you need to make sure you're having regular supervision and that you're able to talk through the impact of this level of clinical work. So when I was employed in AA level, um, which in case you're not familiar with bandings, um, the NHS agenda for change bandings um, usually have numbers and sometimes letters to denote which um, which level of pay you're on, uh, which grade. So band seven is where you qualify usually um, when you qualify as a clinical psychologist and a counselling psychologist. Um, and band 8A is usually a level above that. And so when I was recruited to band 8A, I was recruited to be able to do 50% face-to-face time. Um, but when I started that role, I was told, by the others in the team, well, it's not really possible. You can't really do it because you can't get the rooms. And I was like, I am job planning this. <laughs> I am doing this. You want 50%, you're getting 50%. Um, and I went out across the trust. I saw people in a library. I saw people in um, a health centre. I saw people in um, a different psychiatric base. So I was like, Madam Peripatetic. I was everywhere. So when I first started that role, I was four days a week. And when I went back after my second baby, I was three days a week. But when I was four days a week, I was in four different locations, five different locations, actually, because there was no rooms available in my clinic base. And so on a Tuesday afternoon, I would go in into the team, sit in the agile office and do my admin. It was job planned that I would do my admin um, so that I at least saw the team. Whereas when I went down to three days a week, it just was all that level of moving around was a bit less sustainable. Um, and so 
I was able to get some rooms job planned, um, booked in advance. I would book them six months in advance on the clinical systems to make sure that I was going to be able to see those clients, support my clients, um, pick up new clients and, um, you know, support the team and reduce the waiting list because that was really important to me. So sometimes you might well be working in a service where you are pioneering, you are wanting to do these things, but processes move slower um, and maybe that might well be a conversation for another day but it's one I'm passionate about so let's pause here for a brief break um, and I'll be back along with one two three more strategies to help think about how to organize yourself and be just an all-round superstar catch up with you very soon if you're looking to be Psychologist, then let this be your guide. Filled with lessons and experience that will help you get qualified. So come and take a look. It's right here in this book. It's the Clinical Psychologist Collective. It's the Clinical Psychologist. Hello, my name is Avalon and I'm an undergraduate psychology student. I recently finished a year-long placement as an AP in the NHS and I'm now one week into my final year. I loved reading the Clinical Psychologist Collective and I couldn't have come across it at a better time. I was starting to panic a bit about my options after uni and reading that there are so many different paths that have ultimately led people to the Clinical Psychology Doctorate was really reassuring. Hearing about people's amazing experiences and wide range of backgrounds has really encouraged me to follow what interests me and to make the most of the journey rather than seeing everything that I do as a step towards the doctorate. It has also really helped me to reflect on my approach to work in previous years, which wasn't very healthy. And now I can work on trying to get more balance and put less pressure on myself, as I know that these skills will be really important when I'm thinking about applying for the Deakland Sci in a few years time. To become a psychologist Then let this be your guide Filled with lessons and experience That will help you get qualified So come and take a look It's right here in this book It's the Clinical Psychologist Collective It's the Clinical Psychologist So how good is that? Um, you absolutely don't just take my word for it. Um, take um, Avalon's word for it too. Um, it really is worth you checking out. Okay, so in the first half, um, we were discussing job plans and how they can help you be an all-round superstar, basically, to be able to get what you need to get done done. Um, so I hope you found that helpful. Um, my next little um, tip um, would be um, when you are noticing things that you think you might want to talk about in supervision, 
is just to be quite honest about that with clients. So um, I can't reach my diary because it's just over there. But um, if I'm with a client, I would say, for example, oh, okay, um, I'm not quite sure about that or I haven't come across that exact set of circumstances before. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a note for myself to take that to my next supervision session um, and then I'll come back with you and we'll explore that together. Does that sound okay? Um, don't be, you know, don't be afraid of saying you don't know the answer. Um, and what I would do then is I would grab my diary and I would write in the section of my diary, because I've got an A4 diary, I would write in the section issues for supervision. Um, so when it comes to supervision, I've already got that list ready to go. Um, I'm not having to find additional time to plan in what I need to talk about. Now, of course, you might have a duty of care to discuss clients at set intervals as well, but it always can be useful to go into supervision with set questions, you know. So, um, you know, you might I might say, um, okay, so this cropped up in a session recently and I my supervision question for this might be, how can I um, help this client to, or how can we explore this more together or how can I, um, you know, which evidence-based treatment could I use with them to help shift this problem you know and I can't think of any examples off the top of my head <laughs> without giving away client confidentiality but you'll know what I mean you know sometimes something comes up and you're not quite sure or you know I might say to someone it seems like you know we're not perhaps making as much progress as as we might expect have you you know have you noticed that so we might have already discussed that that's the issue um and, you know, I wonder what that might be about. And um, what I might suggest is that I take this to supervision and we use really talking through um, this this casework to make sure that we're doing everything that can possibly help advance and shape um, and help you get the progress that you so need and you so deserve. So you're not making it sound like they're a special case. And I do say that, you know, so when I start working with a client, I will absolutely say, you know, even though I'm qualified, and I certainly used to say this when I wasn't qualified, as part of um, my clinical responsibilities, and as part of safeguarding for clients, I have an obligation to do supervision. Um, and what will happen during those sessions is that we'll talk about um, the work that we're doing together. And we'll only ever really use your first name. Um, but I will also make a supervision record onto your notes to say what we've discussed and what the outcomes will be. And if you're ever wondering what I've said in supervision or what we might be you know, discussing, I'm absolutely okay for you to ask me that. It can be a transparent process, but I don't need to think you're, I, that I'm asking my supervisor because, you know, you're a lost cause or this is, you know, you're a special case. This is something that I have an obligation to do with everybody. Um, and so, you know, this really helps make sure that we're operating an effective and safe service. So that's why we do that. So I'm just going to make a note of that um, to think about anything that I might not have considered um, because sometimes when we're right in, something with somebody we can you know we're not seeing other options as well so it can really help us think more holistically and think about different approaches that we might not yet have tried that might be really really useful so um i've i've, I've made a note of that now in my diary and i will come back to you um so that helps you not forget what you need to do but also uses that in the moment processing to be able to think um with clients and to help them shape 
um, to help shape the experiences, but to be really transparent as well, which is always something I've enjoyed. Um, okay, so we are fast advancing through my top tips. Um, and uh, this is another uh, approach that I use within my business, and it's something called Click Up. Click Up, C L I C K up separate words um, and I use that to set myself tasks and it's a free app you might not be able to get it on um, on trust computers if you work for an NHS trust it might be blocked as a download you might not even be able to get it on your trust phone um, so there is a click up app um, but you should certainly be able to get it on your personal phone now when you're using your personal phone please don't put any client data in um, nothing identifiable. Um, but if you know you've got to write reports, then I would, for example, write myself a click up task, set myself as the person that needs to do it, give myself the deadline for when that needs to happen. Um, or if I've job planned it, I would get that to pop up at a point when I'm supposed to be writing it as a reminder. And I would say, write report from, and then the date you know, of the assessment. So you're not giving away any identifiable data. Um, and similarly, even if you're using that on your trust or your organization computers, it still makes sense to use that anonymously. Um, so, um, yeah, the way you do that is you set the deadline and then it will it will come up, but it will also come up in your task list. So if you suddenly find that you've got um, a DNA, someone hasn't attended a session, then you can just go to your task list and try and pick the task that you think you've got that fits that time so that you're using any dead time um, really, really usefully. Um, and I also used to use, um, it's reminded me, I also used to use sticky notes, which you will be able to get on your NHS computers or your organisation computers. Um, if you just go to the search magnifying um, function at the bottom and put in sticky notes um it's like little post-it notes that stay attached to your desktop so um i would write myself lists when i was in the nhs um, of jobs i needed to do and then yeah i would pick how much time i had and i would do them so yeah that's part of my super efficiency is to make sure that i'm using all of the job planned time but any extra time that comes up i am also using um, to the best um, of my ability too uh, and my final little productivity tip is um another free app so all of the above information applies about confidentiality and um, not disclosing things you shouldn't within a non-NHS non-encrypted app um, but Slack is an app so if I need to remind myself to do something I will set myself a reminder in Slack so I'll write myself a message in my DMs my direct messages in Slack and then I'll set myself a reminder so that it comes up um, to do that. Um, and you can probably do the same in your Outlook calendar as well if you use that for work. So you can set yourself reminders of things you need to do. And when I was using Outlook um, for my um, NHS work, I would I would use that as job plan. So I would um, colour code because my job plan was always colour coded. I would colour code um, my clinics. So I would have a 9.15, a 10.15 and 11.15, even when I was in the NHS um, on my clinic days, and they would always be green. And I'd have them as recurring appointments um, in my diary so I could see where my blank spaces were. And then next to it, if I booked a client, I would create an additional green um, 
a green session appointment for the same time, 9.15 to 10.05. And then I would be able to see quickly where I had spaces available and where I didn't because I wanted to be running a fully booked system where I didn't have spaces um, because that is the way to be efficient. Um, that is the way to get clients um, advancing towards their goals more quickly. So how has that been for you? I hope you found that useful. I would love to know what you what your take home messages were from this and whether it's evoked any thinking um, for you and whether it might be useful. And I'd love you to come along to the Facebook group, the Aspiring Psychologist Community, um, brackets, free group, um, which is um, my free community for helping aspiring psychologists. Um, also wanted to say that we've got um, a compassionate Q&A happening at 7.30pm on Monday the 31st of October and that will be running across all of my socials so come and like them all won't you. Um, Dr Marianne Trent um, pretty much everywhere. It won't be on TikTok because I don't think I can manage to stream to TikTok um, at the same time as streaming everywhere else um, but it will be on Twitter, on YouTube, um, on uh, Facebook, on LinkedIn um, and Instagram. Uh, that's the plan anyway. Um, if you're going to be watching on Twitter, for some reason, um, they don't allow uh, the comments to come through to the live broadcast. So if you have got questions, um, you might well want to watch from one of the other platforms because all of those comments and questions will come through there. But if you just want to tune in and watch, then you can do that via Twitter. But on the night itself, I'll remind you that if you're commenting via Twitter, I won't see you, unfortunately. Um, but I'll know you're there because it will come up in my viewers, um, but I won't be able to see your comments until um, I look later um, on um, on Twitter. So even then, I don't think the comments get kept on the live broadcast on Twitter. Come on, Twitter, sort yourselves out, you know. Girl's trying to run a business here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I hope you found that really useful. Um, if you'd welcome some additional support during um, this psychology application season or beyond, please do consider joining us in the Aspiring Psychologist membership because the reviews I'm getting about how wonderfully enriching it is, how we're helping people learn more about CBT, how we're helping learn more about personal and professional issues, how we're helping increase people's confidence to talk about themselves and to be reflective and learn about different um, psychological approaches. You know, it's good stuff. Um, someone said to me the other day, I love Marianne Mondays, you know, because our stuff usually happens on a Monday, um, you know, and she was telling her parents about Marianne Mondays. And I just thought it's really, really nice, you know, being able to impact on people's lives in this way is just the greatest privilege. And I'm having a blast doing it. So thank you so much for listening. If you do like what you hear, please do like and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel. Um, fling me a couple of comments on the episodes. It's so gratefully received. If you're listening on um, Apple Podcasts, please do um, subscribe, uh, follow on Spotify and write me a little review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Would be so wonderful. Thank you so much. This is episode 45, which means we're fast approaching a whole year of the Aspiring Psychologist podcast. Um, 
what a privilege. What a privilege that you're still listening. You're still finding it useful. You're liking the jingles. You're going out for your dog walks. You're running your, you know, running your show um, and finding a way to get me in it too. So thank you so much for being part of my world. I will look forward to catching up with you very soon. Take care. If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being qualified. It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast with Dr. Marianne Trent. My name is Diakolola Amujo. I am a recent psychology graduate from Ireland. I am also an aspiring clinical psychologist. Dr. Marion's book, The Clinical Psychologist Collective, has been so helpful to me on this journey to becoming a clinical psychologist. As I plan to continue postgraduate studies in the UK, I found it extremely useful that this book provided in-depth information on the UK DeClinSci application process. I enjoyed reading about the experiences of both qualified and trainee clinical psychologists. The various narratives were my favorite part of the book as everyone's story was different and it provided amazing insights into the clinical psychology journey. I would definitely recommend this book to anyone interested in psychology and aspires to become a clinical psychologist.